Hi friends, before we jump into the episode, I just had a little update. I created a Patreon, so jump on over to patreon.com slash screenvomit, one word of course, to find exclusive episodes, bonus clips, extended versions of past episodes that sometimes have over an hour of additional content um, and all kinds of crap. So go over to patreon.com slash screen vomit. Okay, enjoy the up. And welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm your host, Kayla, and I have a guest with me today. My guest is a fellow podcaster, uh, host of the Primetime Flies podcast, Channel 101 podcast, uh, and also a creator of Frequency 101 shows, and also a rocker. Okay, that's my guest, Todd Donald. Say hi. Hello. I mean, sorry. Hi. <laughs> You can say whatever whatever uh, salutation you'd like. <laughs> Greetings, good people. <laughs> oh, we already discussed you don't speak French. <laughs> uh, was, bad Canadian. Huh? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to do British. I'll say you're that kind of Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour. No, I don't know anyone who speaks French. Hey, but you just did one word at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comment ça va? Hey, no. Ça va. <laughs> I took five years of French in school. <laughs> I haven't done much with it since. <laughs> no, it's... It comes in handy, though. It's always cool. What, did you take language in school? Like a, a foreign language? Well, we had French immersion in elementary mm. school. They sort of... Immersion therapy. Well, there was a, <laughs> a primarily French, free, <laughs> French freaks. No, French-speaking uh, elementary school. That uh-huh. sort of merged like season two of The Office, the good one with Ricky Gervais. And it, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, my favorite one with Ricky Gervais. And okay. and then we had every every grade, including our grade sevens, when I was in grade seven, there was a grade seven French immersion class. And we uh-huh. would interact at recess. Uh, and ever since then, there was a French class component through uh, high school. Uh, <clears throat> and it was even like an elective uh, when I had limited choices in college. And I'm like, how far is this going to follow me? I'm never going to use French. And it, it, it bothers so me. So you're that... saying you took French for your entire schooling, T to B, and you don't speak French? Yeah, I, I know I know like <laughs> the basic eight pro- pronouns up. that we learned. <laughs> and so like, let's just say that I could actually read something in French and uh-huh. gleam most of it. But if you're asking uh-huh. me to say something... That you gave me in you English. You can't come up with it on your own. I could guess. And it's messy and it's it's mm-hmm. rough. Uh, I know SOS Phantom means Ghostbusters because <laughs> if you look at the DVD for Ghostbusters, <laughs> unfortunately, if you buy it in Canada, it comes with the French. And it's sort of like it makes every logo smaller because we have to fit the French on the cover, too. Mm. It just ruins all the DVD covers. Anyway, <laughs> SOS Phantom was... Um, a Channel 101 uh, French Ghostbusters movie that they made. Uh-huh. It was pretty funny. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so speaking of Channel 101, uh, I'd love to talk about Channel 101 on my pod or to, to give them a little boost, I guess. And probably a lot of my listeners don't know what that is. So <sighs> you tell them what it is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> well, see, I get in a comfort zone of talking to people who already know what it is. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, Channel 101 is a monthly short film festival run like a TV network, meaning it's not films. It's short TV shows, five minutes or less, in fact. And we love shorts on this podcast, Ooh. of course. Everyone knows. Yeah. Go I mean, they, they, can, they can have the air of a short film, but they have to sort of run in the storytelling like episodic television, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a complete story told in every episode. And the people who are going to see the second, if you get voted back, episode of your show the next month, they have to not have seen the first one to dig in, sort of. So there's like little micro rules that you sort of learn by uh, participating and paying attention. But ultimately, you can submit from anywhere in the world. Five minutes mm-hmm. or less, make your show, submit it to uh, submissions at channel101.com. Uh, I'll do the whole... Wow, a real promo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, um, it's been running since 2003. It was created mm-hmm. by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub, who are responsible for co-creating with Sarah Silverman, the Sarah Silverman program, a little epic pilot uh, that didn't get picked up by Fox, directed by Ben Stiller called Heat Vision and Jack. Uh, Dan Harmon went on to create Community and another TV show, Rick and Morty, with a fellow 101-er, Justin Roiland. Um, So if I have to do like the capitalist spiel, I'll mention some of the famous stuff that came out of 101, including The Lonely Island. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Heard of them. <laughs> uh, and some great shows like Yacht Rock and um, uh, Car Jumper, Rumspringer. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Anything by Alex Kavitsky. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, mm-hmm. Kayla. By the time know. this comes out, he will have been on the pod. So Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so normals will know. Um, and also should say these screenings of these things happen every month and they're on Twitch too. So you can watch from wherever. They're on Twitch now. The Twitch thing is great. I live in Canada. I, that's how I can interact with it. You are also, I understand, in my time zone. Mm-hmm. True. Although not in Canada. Right. <laughs> potato, potato. Yeah. And so I also watch every month and love it. I love the shit. Can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you find it then out there? Well, it was a combination of a girl I was dating 10 something years ago and my being a nerd. She was a big fan of the show Community. And uh, we mm. watched it. Season two was airing. We would watch it together. But I independently grew this fascination with like the show. And because it's 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 out there like it's beloved, I think I would hope. Mm-hmm. But it's it it's it's something that beloved, extra. although uh, scandals noted. <laughs> right. Um, <Yeah. laughs> like you go you go down rabbit holes. You're the if you're the kind of person who loves music to the weird extent that you're like you memorize who the session players are. Mm-hmm. I would take my community rabbit hole, finding a podcast called Harmontown with the person who created the show. He would talk about channel 101 a lot at this time because mm-hmm. it was 2012, something like that. And um, when I went to channel101.com, I never looked back because the most fascinating thing of the three that got me there was Channel 101 because it was this library of amazing stuff. You know, you start off with the people you recognize, like Jack Black, Sarah Silverman, and then you see what's happening now, as in July 2012, I believe Breaking Bad by Alex Kavisky was on it. Car Jumper Breaking episode. Good. 
Breaking Good. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. <laughs> I uh, I suck at remembering. <laughs> it was Breaking Good. Uh, Car Jumper Episode 1. In Car Jumper Episode 1, Rosa Salazar uh, played a, a small role in it. Famously Alita Battle Angel. Right? So <laughs> I was telling someone that I'd watched Alita Battle Angel recently, and I'm mm-hmm. like, it's all right. After I, re- I mentioned it to you in our call. <laughs> I you believe know that I'm, I did. I can't remember, but I just believe that. It sounds right. Because we famously did that on the pod, but also my Twitter name is Meat Boy. Oh, and so is my Twitch name, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a reference to Alita Battle Angel. Well, I, I dug in. <laughs> I didn't think I'd like it at first mm-hmm. just because, like, you know, CGI spectacle stuff. I'm kind of turned off by the whole idea of that. Yeah. And, you know, unless it's done in a special way that, like, really hits me uh that sounds pretentious maybe i am fuck it i don't know um but the it's okay to have an opinion hot take (laughs) (laughs) i I enjoyed elita battle angel a lot except for like the five different endings like i kept thinking it was like oh this is a good resolve it's really fun i mean it's not like incredible but it's really fun to watch it was extremely well done the only person i would recast is like the 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 guy who looks like a grown-up version of the kid from the Santa Claus as the as the love interests just like he's I mean everyone else including Rosa Salazar was incredible because they are and Uh I watched immediately after that what I like to call a long movie and what Netflix likes to call miniseries brand new cherry flavor that show Uh rocked my effing world and I'm telling a friend from 101 about these shows and I'm like she's amazing and she's like isn't she in car jumper and I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> so this is a roundabout story about it all comes back to Channel 101, baby. Channel 101 yeah. influences and, and inspires. It's such a great th- space for just like <laughs> uber creative people who just have a love for the game. And ultimately, that's what we stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hardly consider myself uh, uh squire <laughs> for Channel 101. I'm just a super fan. Mm-hmm. Uh there are moments when I where I spend time calling myself involved, but I, I really just feel like a fan from Canada. A fanada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't say that without sounding drunk. I'm a fanada. Hell yeah! And now you have your own podcast about uh, where you interview people about their shows, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's an official Channel 101 podcast. So I'm like it's that super official giddy affiliate. Fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. there's a COVID born, i.e., you know it. It came into being because, as a silver lining, a new project, Frequency 101, which is an mm-hmm. audio-only version of Channel 101, I'm shit with video, and I'm amazing with audio, so <laughs> I've been submitting mm-hmm. shows and making some new friends through, you know, through the habit of participating, and yeah. and now I know what it's like to make a show in a month or make an episode in a month, and now I can, like, really talk to people about it. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, I, I kind of get it with vid- with audio. <laughs> I can't imagine... I don't know. What they do seems so hard and so cool. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine doing it. <laughs> well, like, take a look at Trading Up, Seeger and Kavitsky. Like, and they, I, I heard some stories, you know, they they produce the shit out of things. Like, they, they think ahead on so many little things that make a production mm-hmm. that has to be done within a month uh, run smoothly and yeah. come across well in the end. And Wow. I mean, they're just pros at it. Like, there are things. So, I'm a big Kavitsky fan. Everyone knows. I've mentioned his stuff 100 times on this, and now he's been on the pod. But um, there are things that I've watched of his where he's told me 
you know, I just wrote that script like in a day and then just texted people and said, is anyone around tomorrow want to shoot this for fun? (laughs) And they all showed up and we did the thing. And it's hilarious and creative and like amazing. Mm -hmm. And like, how do you do that in two days? You've written a whole thing, cast it, got a whole bunch of people together and like created it. And it's also incredible. Like what? And that's just like throwaway material to him. <laughs> right. Like his short serial was like that. If you've ever seen that one. Yeah. I think the whole the devil put there was like that. Like they're just, these are throwaways to you. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> I'm like that. I feel like that, like hearing you say that about how it's like throwaway. I feel like that Skarsgård character in Good Bull Hunting. Like how could you burn the math equations like that? Why Why do they mean nothing to you? I, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And, and I have so much respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's a very bright young fella. Yeah. Handsome AF and talented. <laughs> anyway, hell yeah. So we should get into the movie we picked for today. And that movie is the 2020 film Vivarium. Uh, and you picked this off my list. So what made you pick this film? Like I just was watching trailers, mm-hmm. and 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 I went off the trailer. Uh, usually, before I watch something, I I look it up, even though I hate spoilers. But the tone of the trailer mm-hmm. got me. Uh, I thought like I like movies with the tone. It seems like this one has, even though trailers sort of lie all the time because they're mm-hmm. trying to trailers try to appeal to everybody. And if you're lucky, you're watching a film that's trying to appeal to the people who like it. Trailers sometimes try to appeal to everybody. And if you find the right kind of freak movie, sometimes they try and weed out who's not <laughs> going to appeal to this movie. <laughs> God bless them. I mean, I, I'm not religious or believe in that stuff, but bless them. Well, now normals think you're religious. So sorry, <laughs> I'm going to cut out the part where you said you're not religious. I, uh <laughs> I con- I converted to um, agnostic atheism when I was 14, but I was raised. So I know the terms. I've oh, said, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, the, all the terms such as God bless him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Catholic school was so lame. The people who like, oh God. Uh, see? Hmm. Me saying, oh God, as a way oh. of scoffing is just, <laughs> it's in my bones. That's something that a Christian would do. Take the Lord's name in vain. Um, (laughs) So this was actually on my list to begin with at the suggestion of a normal. A listener of the pod suggested this to me uh, as a potential episode. And guess what? I put it on my list and here we are doing it. So you know what? Anybody can suggest movies at any time. I didn't know that. I thought thought, like uh, it was like scoured personally, curated personally by you. And like... uh... A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. All right. All right. Uh, Sometimes... So, you know, BTS for the normals, uh, I keep a running letterboxed list of films I think would be fun for the pod. And that includes films that other people have told me to do for the pod potentially. And it also includes films that are just things I thought looked cool and (laughs) added to the list. But when guests are coming on, they don't always pick from my list. I usually send it to everybody just because some people need some sort of parameter. When you just tell people... It can be anything from the last 10 years. Go off, King. Uh, some people are like, that's too broad. I need some sort of like yeah. walls here. <laughs> um, so uh, I always send that list and the guest always picks the movie. I've never had a guest 
that let me pick the movie. <laughs> um, Does that make it fun for you, or <laughs> do you kind of want to take the reins back? Well, a when bit when on? I had a co-host, sometimes I would pick, and there was actually one movie that I when we did the one I love on Pod that was suggested to me by a friend. And then I kind of forced that friend to do the episode with me. <laughs> I said, you're doing my podcast and we're doing the movie you told me to watch. So um, in that way, it was still also sort of picked by them. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm kind of down to watch whatever. I would like to eventually get through my list because <laughs> uh, most of the movies, when I add them to that list, most of them I haven't seen. I think it's more fun to kind of do a podcast about a movie I haven't seen. Right. Unless I find something that's so good, I feel like it needs to be talked about. I might add it to the list. And there are maybe a handful of those. But anyway. I avoided the ones that I had already seen, which wasn't a whole lot of them, because I felt like if we were both going to watch it for the sake of this conversation, it would feel yeah. it would feel most like a book club to watch it for the first time, you know, while thinking of you, my new See, buddy. That's what I think, too. Yeah, yeah it's more fun. <laughs> yeah it's more fun that way and uh, then you just get a fresh you're not coming in with some kind of preconceived notion or thought out feeling on what you think about the movie already you're coming in to discuss what you just took in yeah mm-hmm. yeah I like so that. to me that's more fun but some people pick stuff they've already seen and that's fine too <laughs> okay we talked about why we picked this movie so I'll run through the cast and shit real fast. There's not much. Mm-hmm. Um, this was made by a writer and director duo, Garrett Shanley and Lorcan Finnegan, who have made a lot of films together, a couple shorts and a couple features. It's all indie stuff that no one's probably heard of, but it's just cool that they're kind of a team. And starring in this, we have Jesse Eisenberg uh, and Imogen Poots. Mm-hmm. I think you say it, Poots. And honestly, cute. She's in the Green Room, Art of Self-Defense with also Jesse Eisenberg. That's really the main cast that you'd know from anything is the main two guys. Mm-hmm. And for critic scores on this movie, we got 72 on Rotten Tomatoes and 61 from Google users. So kind of like a C plus, C minus? Ah. 61 might be like a D. <laughs> Not incredible, but... We'll get into it. What do people who aren't me know about what I like? Yeah, true. And if you're going into freak shit, you got to kind of grade on a curve because normal people, which would be like people using Google.com to review movies, (laughs) you could be getting any type of people, you know? And when you're putting freak shit on there, yeah, you got to grade on a curve. Okay, so yeah, let's watch a trailer and then we can get into this movie. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Yonder. A wonderful development. It has all you'd need and all you'd want. Number nine. Number nine is not a starter home. This house is forever. Leave for a boy. Do you have children? No. It's not exactly what we're looking for. That guy was so strange. Yeah. Wait. No, no, I don't think this is the right way. Yeah, this is the way we came in. Number nine again. Did we just do some kind of loop? How if we just... Want me to drive? Such a jerk. Because I think it's just not possible. We can't make turns like this over and over. We have gone this way, Tom. Oh, my God. Hello? Hello? What's happening? Maybe they'll let us go. What if they don't come? What are we 
least place to do. Should we just sit here and we wait to die? It's a boy. pretty good trailer i think but the music in the trailer is fun because it's like oh it's it's quirky quirky it's like indie a, yeah it's like a dark comedy <laughs> but everything you're looking at is pretty dark yeah and i was drawn in certainly by the by the high the concept sci-fi horror of it all which is not really what took me in the end when i watched it for the third time today third <laughs> oh yeah no i loved it and i felt like Incredible. the first time i'm always like challenging it like all right what what, what does this mean what are you trying to show me the second time mm-hmm. i'm just like all right just let it wash over and then you skip parts because you're me and then the third time you just watch it all the way through just let it just let it wash over you just go through it just go through mm-hmm. it and i like it a lot i think the jesse and imogen are solid. Hell I'll yeah. watch them in anything. And this is like their third thing together, I think. It's crazy. Do you notice yeah. that Jesse Eisenberg has Jesse Eisenberg hair in everything he's ever been in, except for, Absolutely. with a few exceptions? Have you also noticed that he plays essentially the same character in everything he's been in ever? A, a kind asshole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a polite asshole. And kind of like awkward and talks too fast. <laughs> and not quite human. Yeah. I don't know what you mean. Uh, uh. <laughs> But anyway, thank you. Uh, I'm trying Jesse to be nice. Eisenberg, also an Indiana boy. Now that's a well-kept secret. Nice. But... I want to thank him for starring in The Double, which is a Dostoevsky adaptation. I haven't read any Dostoevsky books, but I like movies based on You like to say it books. because it sounds smart. It, it makes me sound uh, cultured and educated. <laughs> finally educated, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this movie, I think they're supposed to be in England. You think? Well, yeah. I didn't know. They. It, it could have been... They never say, but... Imogen is English. The kids have an English accent and they drive on the wrong side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think it's English, although yeah. it's not set in England. I mean, it's not uh, filmed in England, <laughs> but we'll get into that. There are a couple of big foreshadowing things right up top uh, mm-hmm. that I think we have to address before even getting into what is going on, which spoil everything. First of all, Vivarium, the title, which you mentioned pre-recording, I think, that you're like, where does this fit in? They never say it. I don't know what Vivarium is. <laughs> so Vivarium is actually, it's a word that means an area usually enclosed for keeping and raising animals or plants for observation or research. And when you think about what happens throughout the movie then that really just kind of describes most of it (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then at the very start of the movie like maybe during the opening credits there's a couple minutes of like some bird footage yeah the cuckoos yeah and when i watched it i was like i don't really know what's happening except for like some ugly naked baby birds and then they die Um, you thought they were ugly too okay But if you pay attention and really get into it, and there is actually a lot of bird-related influence on the entire movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't write it all down because, honestly, it's a little boring to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but it's there if you want to find it. But this beginning part I thought was interesting because it really kind of is an allegory for the entire movie. So what's happening is that, yeah, they're cuckoo, cuckoo birds. 
cuckoos? Cuckoos. Cuckoos. I feel like cuckoo sounds right. Cuckoo <laughs> feels like when you look at the word, that's how you want to say it. Anyway, fuck, we have to get away from the word. What's happening is <laughs> there's a nest of baby birds, uh, tiny baby birds, except for one of them is not tiny. And that bird pushes uh, some eggs and then other baby birds out of the nest and onto the ground. And the large baby boy turns out to be a baby cuckoo who then gets the parent's full attention and gets to be a big boy himself. So many species of cuckoo birds are brood parasites, which means that cuckoo parents don't actually take care of their babies. That's kind of what they do is lay their eggs in somebody else's nest Mm -hmm. and then kind of trick other birds uh, into taking care of and raising their babies, which kind of take control of the family because they kill all the other babies, right? So... These other bird parents who are now taking care of a large bird that they were not prepared for generally are driven to exhaustion just trying to keep this thing fed Mm -hmm. because of its enormous appetite because it's a large bird and they often die because of that. (laughs) So if you think about that in relation to everything that happens in the movie, that basically tells you what happens in the movie. (laughs) And then in the movie, the main girl is a school teacher. And when one of the kids see all the dead birds on the ground and ask why that happens or whatever, she kind of just says that's how that's just how it is. That's That's just kind of what happens. That's nature. Yeah. Later, when we get to what's going on with the, um, let's just say, invasive species, (laughs) it's kind of also never explained why they're here, where they came from, or what their purpose is other than reproduction, too. So that's just how it is. It's kind of how this movie puts its logic together, too. Mm -hmm. So everything in the movie is kind of spoiled in the first, like, mm, 30 seconds <laughs> well like if you I mean, think about it <laughs> like well we're just getting into it and mm-hmm. you're right but there's a i think there's a point to, mm-hmm. to there's, there's a point, point there's a point to spoiling it because there's a point to watching it anyway mm-hmm. um that has nothing to do with why they're there or not or yeah well for me i again you get into a movie what you put in and for me it was horrifying and it had nothing to do with what was really happening behind the behind sure. the veil yeah there's definitely a lot of i don't know if subtext would even be the word because it's so aggressively subtext oh yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> what's it doing here but yeah so we can start with we have their main two characters jesse eisenberg and imogen poots they're a happy-go-lucky couple yeah, goofy ass little couple, especially. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg always unhinged, never not unhinged to watch on screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just an insane actor, and I'm not sure I mean that in a good way. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're not of the human race, uh, <laughs> or you know just enough about the human race, as you're at whatever point and observing them, you're probably looking at this couple being a heterosexual male and female thinking this is all humans are. Yeah. Uh, hint, uh, reference to the movie. <laughs> so they are at the beginning of the movie looking to buy a house. And one of the first things they do is go to a like a realty office. They meet this realtor guy, Martin, whose vibes are all off. <laughs> to <laughs> say the nice. least. <laughs> He's a certified freak seven days a week. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> It was like a jingle for him. Yeah. And he kind of is just like, get in your car and follow me now. 
basically. Yeah. Which is a red flag. Uh. Red flag, but they do it. Okay. <laughs> and he takes him to this sort of cookie cutter neighborhood called Yonder, uh, which you heard in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go from there. <laughs> oh, boy. The set design of the neighborhood. I, that's where I'll start with the neighborhood because there's so there's much to say about the neighborhood. Starting with the design, uh, it's very cool. It's so super colorful, ultra colorful, a little bit surreal. Very cool looking. It's eerie the way he describes the place to begin with mm-hmm. because he's like, oh, it's just far enough away and just mm-hmm. near enough to here. It's the exact right distance or whatever and it's that sounds like someone who's like pretending to be a human talking but like you know at this point in the movie we're not supposed to assume anything other than he's a weird person Mm -hmm. um but it's kind of like that thing where it's like this just sounds like a sales algorithm trying to tell humans what they want and i think it's supposed to sound that way so like we can go ahead and spoil that these are sort of martin is one of and not the only one we meet of this like sort of alien race it's never quite explained what they are where they come from like i said anything like that Mm -hmm. but some some kind of something else not human (laughs) and what he's doing what his i don't know company species whatever is doing is kind of offering humans what they think humans want so like yeah you want a, a nice house in a quiet place a big enough yard a big enough rooms you know whatever and because they're not human they don't have any humanity and therefore don't understand like the human emotional needs or artistic needs or like any of that of a space, like the heart of it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they just are giving you kind of what it appears you want. But everything's like a little, it's fake. So the the vibes yeah. are off because there's no heart in it and everything's kind of fake. They also don't know how humans smell or taste things, which means that what they create for them to consume and breathe has no scent or flavor or taste yeah the food is fake the clouds are fake the grass is fake there's no wind there's no nature there's no bugs um they always have the same weather the same fluffy white clouds i mean as we find out as we go on and on but like it's unsettling and it's not natural oh. well i did skip when they go into the neighborhood for the first time mm-hmm. it, it's not creepy enough for them to turn around and exit the nine while they're still out of the loop. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to say about why they chose to set their movie in this type of place and where these ideas came from. And also the production of it even is kind of interesting. Right. These guys made, I mentioned that they've made some other films together. Did you watch Foxes? No. That's fine. <laughs> they made this short film, Foxes, in 2011, which I said this current movie that we're talking about came out in 2020. So this is quite a while before this, which was sort of like an early concept film for Vivarium that was also set in what they call a ghost estate, which are these empty housing developments that are kind of all around Ireland since like 2008 when they had an economic boom and then a crash. They were building a lot of housing developments that ended up being empty because of that and then so a lot of couples were sort of trapped in these vast like empty housing developments and because the economy crashed weren't able to sell them and were left with having to pay this gigantic mortgage and so they're sort of stuck in these places and they made this short film foxes in 2011 as i said that sort of also explored these same themes and was also set in this type of place but that one 
dove more into how those spaces kind of separate you from the natural world and like just like nature in general and they kind of get out by reconnecting with nature and so in this one they kind of wanted to go more into a sci-fi angle of the sort of same idea right which they did (laughs) but foxes is pretty interesting too so i do recommend that it's like a 15 minute short guess what i'll link it in the show notes how about that thank you um And then as far as like a production angle on this, because the neighborhood looks so crazy, I mean, you got to be like, how they do that, you know, (laughs) because it rolls on and on. The houses were built in a warehouse in Belgium, uh, which they were initially supposed to build 12 houses. But when they got down to it, could only afford three. So they built three facades of these houses in this warehouse in Belgium and just kind of had to keep switching the lighting around (laughs) constantly. And the interiors of the house were actually shot in Ireland on a stage. So the continuity of going in and out of the house was across two different countries. That's crazy crazy. because they do go in and out of the house a lot. (laughs) All the time, yeah. That's the movie. (laughs) So we've got real suburban hell vibes in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, just the whole thing is sort of making a commentary on, you know, that having all these big empty houses for no reason because of the economy, <laughs> being separated from humanity, separated from nature, separated from your neighbors, even all of that just in the neighborhood <laughs> alone. <laughs> and then there's more to the film. <laughs> oh, and oh boy, is there. Also, just, I don't know if this is interesting, but the clouds, the way the clouds looked in the sky and everything was based on the Greek painting Empire of Light. And if you look it up, you go, yeah, those are the clouds. And for those of you Gen X or younger, uh-huh. uh, it's like Super Mario Brothers without the eyes. <laughs> The clouds and those. Yeah, guys. like that. You can also just Google <laughs> the painting. Everyone's online. Come on. So that's my biggest chunk of notes and my biggest chunk of just me talking. <laughs> oh, boy. That's oh. it? <laughs> no. I, uh... <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of notes, but that was my biggest chunk of solid notes right. on something. Well, I like listening to your podcast. So like, I felt like I was just chilling and listening again. And now I have to be a part of it. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Not embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, I mean, if I could go as far as to say, like, we'll pick up wherever you want to in the narrative of the story. But I just mm-hmm. want to say that, like, the, the whatever malevolent or benevolent powerful force that is happening to them, mm-hmm. wondering what's behind the veil for me is more fun. Because in, in a world full of YouTube videos, loving to explain everything Mm -hmm. ending explained ending explained or like you know what what's going on like if someone was to just go like well here you can see that that's a spaceship door and and basically it's just aliens in a spaceship and it's a projection (laughs) like what what is fun about knowing that or cracking it what Mm -hmm. what is fun do you hate imagination do you hate wonderment yeah imagination and wonderment is why we're a species that's like making computers and stuff it's a fine line between if you're gonna do something that's a little uh a little more creative than just a plain old like narrative a to b it's a fine line between telling too much and leaving some mystery <laughs> right. because you can also conversely like not tell enough and then you don't feel connected to the story right it can be complicated in that way but yeah i agree that in this movie i was fine with not knowing like where the aliens came from or whatever they are 
or or what they are even yeah <laughs> well i feel like we got plenty yeah we did the opening credits we got a lot with the cuckoos was perfect cuckoos. like <laughs> one flew over the cuckoos nest uh, if you, um, <laughs> we say cuckoo right yeah one flew. i have a big scar in one finger from being bit by a, a cuckoo bird those evil and, bastards. Well, to be uh, fair, it wasn't entirely the bird's fault. Somebody, I, it was a shy bird. I was slowly working up to like getting the bird out of the cage. And then somebody came up next to us and uh, flicked open a trash bag. You know, they're like trying to get the bag open and they go whoosh, and like made a big noise with the trash bag and it scared the bird and he bit me. But their beaks are very big and very sharp. Uh, I did think he broke my finger for a minute. It hurt very Darn. bad. But... Don't, get, don't go to Indiana. <laughs> well, I worked in a pet store, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're not just anywhere. <laughs> you were just walking down the street uh-uh. and there's a cuckoo in a cage. No, those birds don't live naturally here. <laughs> I don't know where they live naturally. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think of I didn't think of that bird until this movie. And I'm like, what's this ugly bird at the beginning of Vivarium? And then Google sent me to the Wikipedia page where I learned basically what you told me or what you told us all uh, uh-huh. in the audience about about the nature and the what was it called? The um, parasitic yeah. brood parasites. Brood parasites. Those are two words that just mean bad news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so where are where are we in the in the narrative? OK, so they're in the house. They're looking around. Everything's kind of weird and off. Even when before they went, they're kind of like, I don't think this is going to be for me, but what's the harm in checking it out? Right. But when they're kind of looking around the house, suddenly the man disappears. He's just gone. And so they get in the car to drive, but they drive and drive. And we've all been in these. Come on. These subdivisions where you're like, mm-hmm. every house looks exactly the same. Every street is seems like it's named the same thing or it's like every street is named after a tree. <laughs> right. You can't get out. You're like, there's so many twists and turns. Everything looks the same i'm kind of stuck in here forever like we've all been in this scenario and uh they are also in this scenario but what happens to them is that no matter how far they drive how long they drive how many turns they make they end up back at the same place they cannot get out of here until and they keep driving until their car runs out of gas and they can drive no more and once again they arrive at house number nine which is the one that they see repeatedly all of the time they're trying to escape by car yeah that's their house the next day eisenberg gets on the roof to see if he can see a way out and it's just those houses as far as the eye can see in any direction yeah and they try even more they try and get out on foot uh and they still end up back at number nine again at some point a box of groceries and essentials is just kind of left in the street and they're just gonna be here now (laughs) basically (laughs) they try lighting the house on fire but it respawns at this point they got to be like there's a little what the fuck going on here you know what they light that house on fire they sit down on the curb and instantly fall asleep now who's gonna do that their house is burning (laughs) up to flames not 20 feet from where they're sitting and they just go right to sleep and they sleep all the way through till the morning and you know what i keep seeing this in movies actually i gotta go off I keep seeing this in movies. (laughs) Excuse me. I have to pop off where somebody just like I just watched Candyman, the new Candyman. This man's painting pictures. And then you're telling me it's like yada, yada, yada. He wakes up. It's light outside and he's asleep on the floor in his studio and has slept through the entire night that way. I don't think so, honey. I don't think that's how that works. You don't just sit on the floor right across from a gigantic burning building and then you just sleep through the night on the curb? I don't think so. These people are like, 
They're in their 30s, right? Okay, let me tell you about being in your 30s. <laughs> you can't just be sleeping anywhere. You can't even sleep on a damn normal floor inside of a house without waking up and having to go to a chiropractor. Okay, you're telling me these people slept through the entire night on the curb? I don't think so. <laughs> One, it's not. And this isn't the last exercise in patience that we see in this. Didn't movie, even though. move. I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> Breathing We're... in the smoke and the little ashes falling on your eyes. I don't think so. I don't know what the fuck we're doing in some sort of alien prison thing, but watching fire makes me take a little nappy. Messed up. Yeah. So in the morning, at some point, a box is dropped off in the street. They never see who drops off these boxes. They just kind of appear. Yeah. Boxes dropped off with a baby inside that says, "Raise the child and be released." I have a note from the filmmakers on this part, kind of the influence of of this part is that they were trying to think of what is it that young people are afraid of on a more existential level? So like, are they afraid of big, weird winged creatures or are they afraid of their lives becoming repetitive and boring and all their hopes and dreams getting sucked away by making a couple wrong choices and being tricked into a situation they didn't want to be in because that seems much scarier Mm -hmm. and ultimately that's what we are given in this movie yeah i hate to simplify it or oversimplify it but i guess i could just coyly say that you don't just worry about that when you're young (laughs) (laughs) you also worry about that when you're old it's an enormous existential uh, battle that some people (laughs) my age well i mean there's only me on my little list that i have (laughs) of people who worry about or think about that um it's it's overbearing and it's not just like it's not just life and the idea of like whether it's suburbia or it's you know anything after college yeah it's the system or alien race or whatever the hell that created the circumstances such Mm -hmm. as maybe it's not a malevolent super powerful alien race maybe it's capitalism (laughs) maybe it's the government uh maybe it's the patriarchy maybe it's all of them together and it's fucked up but yeah. you know, make it sci-fi, and suddenly it's some entertainment. Of course, I'm I'm glad that it's a thinly veiled metaphor. This movie mm-hmm. because it it scares me. <laughs> <laughs> you were thoroughly scared, T to B. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said, "I hope that's never me. I don't want to have to raise an alien boy." well like the essence of a flavorless hopeless uh repetitive pay taxes until you die sort of existence yeah no like yeah no hope of getting out etc no contact with the outside world or Mm -hmm. little to none or and you know no friends calling on the phone yeah and just just subscribing to that (laughs) stereotypical now i'm um, feeling existential (laughs) (laughs) fuck (laughs) it's not even why i picked the movie kayla (laughs) fuck (laughs) I'm sweating. I'm scared. It's, it's like we, we why why can't we all just like go on adventures and, and meet people and get to know people and, and make stuff for the rest of our lives? Mm-hmm. It's bad enough that we age. But you know, age we can at least make peace with, but we can never stop us ourselves from being taxed. Mm-hmm. And it's like where are human bodies out paying the, the tax man? Much like the raising of an alien or you know, the the child that does not belong to us is our being born into the, the tax collector's uh, clutches. And the only thing that we have to do is give birth to and raise the next taxpayer and die. Sorry, I did, did I go to a dark place? Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the tax collector but someone else who grow, grows old and dies and gets replaced by the younger model? Boom, vivarium. Oh, fuck. 
I went there too soon. I, oh I'm God. so sorry. I'm the worst <laughs> guest on one of my favorite new podcasts. This sucks. Stop it. <laughs> Look, don't talk shit about yourself. Rule number one. Okay. Okay. So by day 98, this kid looks like he's 10 years old and he's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Measure me. Measure me. Yeah. It it constantly has the voice as a child of someone either he's impersonating or just someone like his voice is pitched down. Like yeah. they don't know how human children are supposed to sound. So when it's not imitating some someone or something, it's sounding older than it is. It's weird. So I think it's really funny that we just did Kajillionaire on the pod like three episodes ago because um, in that movie, the main character who's played by Evan Rachel Wood purposely talks with a lower voice. <laughs> and she <laughs> sounds like fucked up, but <laughs> she claims that's her natural voice. Anyway, so they Kajillionaire styled this one. Um, but actually what they did in this is that Jonathan Aris who plays Martin, the realtor guy from earlier, actually dubbed the voice of the little boy. So all of his voice in this movie is dubbed by Jonathan Aris, which creates like a vocal continuity between the two of them because later we do find out that they are the same species. Mm. Well, they have the same clothes. That's true. And also because the boy, his real voice, they said was too cute and they needed to dehumanize him a little for the story. So <laughs> so they had Eris do all the, they had him dub everything that the little boy said. So his voice yeah. does sound fucking weird and unsettling yeah. and unhinged. Yeah. Well, Buffalo <laughs> Bill came to mind. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I tried to make a Buffalo Bill reference the other day and it bombed. Nobody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> And I'm just over here saying something weird. <laughs> like, how is that? Whatever. <laughs> it's like well, one I'd, of the biggest movies of all time. <laughs> I, I, there, there were moments my third time watching the movie where, where I was like, please don't make him go woof woof. Because there's the yeah. moment where he's like, what's a dog? Oh, dogs go woof woof. Woof woof. Woof woof. It's like a little eight-year-old kids that sounds exactly like this. Woof woof. Woof woof. It sounds insane. Yeah. Yeah. And so not only does he woof woof all the time, but he does crazy imitations of them constantly. Every time he's hungry, he just screams until the food is ready. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's like fucking so weird. And he watches them all the time. Even when they fuck, he's like watching through the door. I don't know if I (laughs) could fuck if that was true. (laughs) No. I mean, especially not like, I guess if enough time went by, you'd be like, look, at some point we got to fuck, right? But there's this, what did I say? 98 days? That's three months. They're three months into having this kid. I don't know, man. Can I pop off? You pop off. Um, Star Trek would have explained this by now, right? You'd have been like, what are you doing mm-hmm. keeping me in a cage? Mm-hmm. Some kind of alien cage. You don't fool me, little boy. You know, he'd be like... He, Wait, which would, Star Trek are we in? Uh, Star Trek. Like the first episode, which was actually without Shatner, was a pilot. Oh, okay. The original series. That was, all, that was what I was asking. Yeah, sorry. Okay. But the original pilot of... Uh, <laughs> Star Trek, it was called The Cage, or later referred to as The Menagerie, where it was like humans kidnapped and kept in a habitat, but like they're given a mental projection of the world that, you know, the aliens think they might want to live in. And it's it's also loosely based on their fantasies. But the point is like, well, it's not a real life. You know, you can think mm-hmm. that you're giving me what I want, but it's not what I want. And in other kind of Star Trekky twilight zone kind of stuff maybe in coming back to the scene where they're fucking and the kids and the well the alien the Uh thing is in the closet watching them it (laughs) Uh, i mean it is other things in this movie too 
or at least what the movie tells us openly but it's also like a probe like if they could make an agreement Ew. while they're like we're, we're gonna screw if this thing is gonna watch us just pretend it's like a i don't know a camera being operated by our if we're, we're filming if, a porno yeah. a hot we, couple's we, porno we, mm-hmm. we we might never leave here <laughs> how long are we gonna let that stop us <laughs> And you're like, all right, let's get drunk on this flavorless wine and who gives a shit? And after only three months, they've reached that we're never going to leave here point. Yeah, that's... Well, when does he start digging? I think that three months is the only actual like timeline that we get. Uh, so it's like unclear what's happening after that time-wise. Which I also think is like maybe kind of fun too because you don't know how long they've been there. Right. The open But you know the minimum amount of time that they've been there. <laughs> and, then, and then because we're given that one timeline, we have a reference point to how fast the boy's growing. So we know that when we see him look like a 10-year-old boy, it hasn't been 10 years. And in that right. way, we know he's some kind of weird alien. Mm-hmm. I also think they did a similar time thing. Have you seen Relaxer? Nope. Okay, well, you should watch Relaxer, first of all. Uh, It's an incredible film, and I think you'd love it. It, Even just the whole ethos behind it. We famously did an episode on it last November. Anyway, they did a similar (laughs) thing in that movie, too, where they just gave one time reference point and then never talk about time again, basically. And it makes it kind of more fun, I think. There's a movie by that person who did... (laughs) It's Philip Seymour Hoffman... And he rapidly mm-hmm. ages throughout the movie. Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. Uh-huh. We like that movie. It doesn't lead you too much. And I like that. I like sort of being lost because, you know, if, if you're just letting it happen and it's enjoyable and you're crazy like me and you like watching a movie more than once, then you can have fun <laughs> maybe putting together what you can and not asking the movie to like answer it for you. Again, big fan of ambiguity over here. For sure. I also think what's interesting about kind of the whole vibe of this movie, but also with the time thing, is that this movie was produced pre-pandemic. This came out March 27th, 2020. So literally wow. the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> literally the day the pandemic started. <laughs> um, this movie was released. And then to have <laughs> such pandy vibes. Does everyone want a new movie about isolation? <laughs> and being stuck in your homes for the rest of your lives with only your partner and your child whom you hate. <laughs> eating nice. food that you hate <laughs> never going anywhere or talking to anyone yeah <laughs> that's what we want to think about at this point in time <laughs> it was a big hit <laughs> so in a way this movie is genius because it predicted pandemic wow <laughs> so i just thought that's kind of interesting to think about i didn't even know about it until i saw it on your list though so i you missed it yeah i thought it was made post pandemic for all i knew i just looked at the i just looked at the year yeah no <laughs> okay so let's move a little farther what's going on with jesse eisenberg first of all i need to talk about the cigarette <laughs> jesse eisenberg smoking a cig is the craziest most alien behavior i've ever seen did you <laughs> were you struck by him smoking a cig in the car with her when they i think when they first are realizing they can't get out of the neighborhood he smokes right. a cig in the car He's like, i'm sorry i'm stressed yeah That whole, like, I probably, I recorded that little scene on my phone, Don't Tell the Cops, but um, I probably watched that clip, like, 85 times. I could not get over how fucking weird he looks trying to smoke this cig. If you pay attention, he raises his eyebrows every single time that he puffs in, and he just puffs and puffs and then does... (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I'm trying to piece together what was the startling part about it because like for, for me as an ex-smoker i'm just insane. i'm just like that looks delicious but you know i so you had cig- eyes on the prize you couldn't even look at jesse well smoking looks cool to me because i <laughs> made a horrible decision because no cigarettes are disgusting uh-huh. and i'm glad i quit twice okay. but this time you already good. said they're cool so now you're backtracking no, they, i'm saying they look cool i'm saying they're horrible but they look okay, cool joe camel <laughs> <laughs> no. um, more like the joe camel show no i'm anti-smoking i'm no it's <laughs> listen aesthetics is aesthetics like ha- like if hats become the new demon i'm sorry but people in pictures with hats that look cool are gonna look cool <laughs> but like you know one day they're gonna be like hats cause cancer if and it'll put a different the spin new demon. <laughs> when you know the cancer causing agent i don't know it's like oh but ball caps <laughs> problematic yeah but it was it was 2020 people were still wearing hats i don't understand no um smoking as someone smoking who is cool. mm, go on uh jesse eisenberg i i didn't know i didn't pick up on that he was You're like too big, clearly too busy with hearts in your eyes for that sig <laughs> um no it was more like i didn't notice that it was like actor who doesn't smoke poorly smoke acting uh-huh. so i didn't what a, what a roundabout way for me to i steamrolled you in the first place i just didn't know why you were startled by that scene because <laughs> he looks like a damn alien Try who's seen a sig for the first time, trying to figure out what this thing does. <laughs> He's just it's so see- fucking weird. <laughs> well, it's, it's like it's the face he makes when you ask him to have a different haircut. I probably in this seem movie. insane because I kept posting it on Instagram over and over. Okay. It's <laughs> like, have y'all seen this though? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the Jesse Eisenberg effect, though. True, like, but you know, what is this a quirky movie? The facts. Mm-hmm. How did you know? Well, Jesse Eisenberg's on the cover. Yeah. Well, no, it's a lighthearted comedy. Uh, trust me, it's kooky. <laughs> so then, throughout the movie, though, we see him pick up a sig, and I think it's just the same sig over and over again because it's always down to the like absolute butt. Like it is down to right. the damn filter or whatever the fuck. He's but trying he to make it last. Smoking it constantly. Yeah. <laughs> And at one point, he throws that little butt into the grass, and it just like instantly burns a whole big patch in the grass. But not which... the way actual human not human no. grass. It just kind of like, woof, and like this whole patch is gone. Yeah, like um, this is clearly not nature's grass. Yeah, shit, shit's going wrong with this grass. <laughs> <laughs> Do not roll up and enjoy this grass. No. <laughs> so. He's obviously intrigued by this, and he he was some kind of like landscaper or something like landscaper question mark. Not really sure, but um, <laughs> he has like a bunch of shovels and shit in his car because of his like quote unquote job, <laughs> his right. alleged job. So he starts digging then, and realize that's when he realizes that like the grass doesn't have roots or like all the normal levels of soil just aren't there, and it's just this like weird yeah. mud. I think his idea is kind of like, if we can't get out by going around this place, 
then we can go through it. <laughs> right. It's got to come out the other side. We'll dig to China, basically. He is obsessed with getting to the bottom of this, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and becomes withdrawn from his relationship, which I don't understand. It seems like he starts to dislike her in favor of digging this hole. And he just becomes uh, hyper focused on it. And and I kind of also wondered, like, how do they keep the magic alive? Like when you're literally around your partner 100% of the time right. and there's there are no distractions. Like they don't even have like TV. The only thing on their TV is like a Windows XP screensaver and like <laughs> <laughs> they don't have music. Like they literally have nothing to do day in, day out. Nobody else to talk to besides this freak ass, weird ass kid who watches them and uh, mocks them all the time. Like a bird, by the way, similar to a cuckoo. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> How do they keep the magic alive? They got no games. They got nothing. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have all the time to dig a hole, and nothing nothing better to... it's like you can't really blame him for being hyper focused on his one activity you know right he says this is something i can do <laughs> but like he's he, i do he... shovel for job therefore i can do shovel now <laughs> i have activity <laughs> but he can't even make it through the hole of breakfast like he's just like no he's horny for digging for sure <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Imogen Poots' character becomes like annoying in any way ever. Mm-hmm. So why is he being such a typical s- straight cis male about it? <laughs> yeah, I just that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, how are they supposed to how do they keep that flame going in their circumstances? They're all they got. I think it's fair to like begin to be annoyed by or resent your partner for no reason when you have nothing else to do <laughs> you're just kind of bored by your situation but stuck in it like a met what if he did want to break up with her like he couldn't like what else is he gonna do you know right they're very stuck in their situation <laughs> well we broke up three months in and the rest of eternity was kind of a little awkward especially when we had to live in the same house and raise a weird freak alien baby together (laughs) listen thing it's not that we don't love you we never did you're an alien right (laughs) they tell this kid many times i'm not your mother fuck you they flip him off they tell him he's weird (laughs) it kind of rocks honestly (laughs) yeah (laughs) even though it's even though it's not a human kid it does sort of represent a lot of the, you know, what I understand, not from my own experience, parental experiences can be like. Yeah. The feelings that people don't get to say when it is a, their human child. or And maybe adopted. a bit of catharsis through the movie, like because he does get really frustrated with this boy. And at one point he just like throws the boy <laughs> like across <laughs> into the street and like boy hits his head but he's fine he like heals he gets up and dances and laughs and and that's believable because i could see jesse eisenberg doing that throwing a boy (laughs) really talented actor but he 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 could throw a kid yeah he could and he probably does Actually, IRL, his wife owns and runs a domestic violence shelter in Bloomington that he helps run. So (laughs) it's kind of funny, (laughs) specifically because of what he does in his spare time. Well, I'm just being kooky and I I don't know anything about him as a a (laughs) person outside of his films. Yeah, but we can confirm you heard it here first. Jesse Eisenberg probably throws children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, all I'm saying is... Yeah, and the kid who plays the kid is 
probably scarred for life. But no, I'm what I'm not kidding about is like There's probably some Pinocchio ass. There's some scenes where you're like, how, how could a how could a child actor like no matter how understanding they are that they're in a film set like they're still eight like how how are they not affected by like the way that these adults are realistically screaming at them and and hitting them and throwing them around. Yeah, sometimes you do be thinking. <laughs> okay, listen, Jimmy. Um, so in this scene, Jesse here is gonna throw you. It's gonna throw you around. Did you see um? Oh, fuck. What was that movie uh, with Amy Adams where she was like a drug addict? It came out like last year on Netflix and it was really big. Like Glenn Close, I think, was in it too. And they had like crazy prosthetic makeup. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? No, but Sharp Objects was amazing. Hillbilly Elegy. Did you see Hillbilly Elegy? No, I saw the trailer for that around the time because I'm like, oh, Amy Adams, what else? Mm -hmm. And I didn't watch it. I really want to, though. I would say it surprised me. I thought it was pretty good and also pretty accurate to the topic. I mean, there's a little bit of corniness, but it's pretty pretty good. A lot better than I thought it would be. Anyway, there's a scene in there where a little boy gets pulled by the hair downstairs (laughs) while like fighting the person who's pulling him by the hair down the stairs and trying to get away from them. And yeah, shit like that. And he's getting bumped around, like hitting stuff on the way down. Shit like that. You really do be like, damn, how did they do that with this kid? And how is he not fucked up for the rest of his life? (laughs) (laughs) Getting back to the entertainment of it all. I just had a little note on what plays on TV there, which is a (laughs) not a Windows XP screensaver, but what it is is a fractal pattern, which is what housing developers of places like these use to develop places like these in order to fit as many houses into a space mm-hmm. as possible. And that's why they're all like twisty, turny, cul-de-sac, etc. And that's kind of what's playing on TV too. So it's just another reference to the neighborhood. Also another good ingredient in the allegory. Yeah, which is kind of what I also said, except with uh, longer words. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he's watching some kind of zebra porn, you know? Uh... Yeah, basically. And that was also like a bird thing, but I don't really remember... It's like he's supposed to be a magpie because he's black and white and he thinks in black and white and the TV is black and white, something like that. Um, but that stuff was boring to me. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's it sounds like the sounds are like Darth Vader having sex with the egg from aliens. Ew. <laughs> like, like <laughs> a pervert reference. <laughs> like it's it slurps Whoa. and heavy breathing. It's weird. <laughs> nasty (laughs) and then uh, as far as entertainment goes they do get one tiny like 30 second slice of actual entertainment when they realize that the car still works how have they not tried it after months and months of being there (laughs) have never tried the car they blast the radio they turn on the headlights uh, for no other reason that I can see besides that they wanted to have a full like Nicole Kidman moment uh, and dance in front of the headlights like in that movie To Die For, the Van Cleef movie, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which I just watched not long before this movie. So I was uh, like, my... I see what you're doing. <laughs> Yesterday's image and poos. Yeah. Um, like I'm literally. <laughs> well, Nicole Kidman, she's still incredible. Always was. Yeah, but I she's think. she's different now (laughs) we can all agree that there was a point in her career when things changed and specifically her face (laughs) well 
being young and young looking is not a talent, Kayla. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's not about t- being young looking. It's about having 95 uh, plastic surgeries to look oh, like an yeah. alien. <laughs> I, I have absolutely no respect for the idea of plastic surgery at all. She looks like an alien now, and she just every movie she acts the same now. It's not really... She doesn't have the range she used to. And you know what? Though, go off, King. I mean, she's a millionaire. She can do whatever she wants, and if that's what she wants to do then literally go off. She's put enough of herself into the arts and she's lived through the hardest time for women or one of the harder times for women in Hollywood and came out of it. So <laughs> we'd like to dedicate this episode to Nicole Kidman. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> Moulin Rouge forever, baby. Because they do the headlights too, though, the battery dies in like 25 seconds. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they get about that amount of time of music to dance to. And of course, Jesse throws the boy, uh, which ruins the moment. <laughs> it's such a bittersweet moment because it's like we've lost all hope. But like for a moment, we're remembering what it was like to be young and dance. And they were basically like remembering freedom. They smelt their memory of freedom in the car because the car seemed to contain the it essence had real of... smells is what they said. Yeah, real smells. So that reveals to us that the habitat that they're in, the what the hell are they in, in that it doesn't replicate any kind of scent, really. Yeah. Everything's um, falsified. So it's like that tragic reintroduction reintro- into our beloved two human characters, the idea of freedom. D- does it represent them being hopeful again for a moment? I don't know. It's like, are they dancing in spite of how tragic the situation is? I don't know. And that little fucking alien that looks like a kid comes out and trips them. Yeah. I'm like, if I were Jesse Eisenberg's character, I'd throw that alien that looks like a kid. <laughs> I would, would start throw, with that at least. A, a human boy yeah not a human boy no he's not a human you heard it here first (laughs) it's a thing it's an it and that of course is a speech that jesse himself gives in the film that he refers to the boy as it and Mm -hmm. also is kind of repulsed by her mothering the boy and doesn't understand why she's doing it really he tries to murder the boy by locking it in the car and saying they're going to starve him to death right and she can't let that happen. And she gets the boy out and they actually get along for a little while. They cuddle in bed until one day he kind of disappears for the first time, which is unusual because he's usually right up their damn ass and watching them all the time. You're right. Um, and he disappears one day, comes back with a book full of like hieroglyphs or whatever and won't tell her where he went. She doesn't know where he went, but we know that he does these impressions. So she asks him to do an impression of who he met while he was gone. And he goes bonkers. <laughs> the neck bubbles up. That was so cool looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just does scary stuff. <laughs> it was. I mean, this species or this being, like, mm-hmm. it seems like their uniform is like a, a Jehovah's Witness outfit, like just like black pants, a fully buttoned up white collared uh-huh. uh, button up shirt. He looks like alfalfa. Right. Uh-huh. And it's always buttoned up to the top button. Uh-huh. Even though they clearly Which is belong what to hot a... people do, for the record. But go on. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But and? this species clearly has a thing where when it needs to, or maybe when they're not around humans, bubble up the necks. Yeah. So why why is their uniform one that restricts their neck movement? Is it maybe it's for so that they can hide? And Yeah, maybe blending in purposes. Okay, and well, maybe, I, I... maybe when they're around their own guys, they go shirtless. They go wild boy style. Right. Well, I just had a little freak out and we answered the question within that freak out. So never mind. <laughs> 
I mean, it tracks, yeah. At least like a turtleneck where it would be like an expandable neck. Right. (laughs) Well, I can't remember where I saw it, but like the idea of number nine being a prevalent thing in the film, like this is the characters that we're following, the house that the Uh habitat that they're assigned to is nine, house number number nine. nine. Uh And, you know, uh, as a Beatles fan, there was, of course, the famous song where the number nine is repeated uh, thousands of times. Uh And um, but uh, if you look at the number nine, it's a line and then it turns and becomes a loop. Mm-hmm. So it's like the idea of how they got there in the first place. They followed this car into what ended up being a loop. And once you're in a loop, you're fucking stuck there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you have a finite life, you die there. Yeah. A little bit of symbolism in that little number. Yeah. Just yeah. a little note. Just a little tidbit there. Hell yeah. <laughs> so the next <laughs> shot, basically, he's like in his late teens. And that's when they changed. On the roof, they had been writing like, help, save me. Um, And that's when they changed to fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) So they're badasses, okay? Smoking cigs, flipping off and writing fuck you. Okay, punks, we see you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And Jesse's been getting sick throughout the movie. He gets sicker and sicker, coughing and digging and coughing and digging. That's kind of his whole thing. He finds a body in the hole that he's digging and Mm -hmm. doesn't tell anyone. (laughs) which is interesting when he starts getting really sick they kind of reconnect as a couple i think at some point right the boy now who's now a teen or teen looking locks them out of the house so they can't even get in the house they don't (sighs) i guess have access to their food or like anything they beg the boy to help and let them back in the house and he says maybe it's time he was released and by released, he means released from life because then Jesse dies. <laughs> right. Cold. And cold. he's cold as hell, for sure. He comes back with like a body bag and puts Jesse in it and just kind of tosses him into the hole that he's been digging for <laughs> however long. <laughs> yeah. It's like 40 feet deep now. <laughs> We're not there yet, but like up until this point, it's horrific. And yet no violence is, I mean, other than the kid throwing. But I just mean like no, I, no, like we're battling. Throwing kids is normal and not violent. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sorry. No, okay. There has been violence. Famously. There's been visually on the screen what we're looking at as a kid, but we know it's an alien. So that justifies it. Unless he was like, wake, unless he wakes up and he's like, that wasn't an alien. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my son. No. Um. Okay. Holy crap. I'm like... <laughs> What? On my podcast, Todd says smoking is cool and throwing kids around is not violence. Yeah, um, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> this is the legacy that you'll leave behind. <laughs> <laughs> and it rocks, okay? <laughs> Smoking's cool, you love God, and also oh, I forgot kids about that crap. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about human language. It could be the exact opposite and get me talking for long enough and it sounds i'll give you a crazy edit like a housewife housewives of uh, la or whatever they are right so at this point in the movie in which uh uh-huh. jesse eisenberg's character dies yeah or like his body gives up we don't know why he was sick in the first place well they kind of just like he's been digging a hole in some weird alien dirt for two yeah, years or just whatever. breathing it in nonstop. <laughs> And eating, eating fake taste. food, yeah. Well, there's there's an article or something, and maybe an interview with the filmmakers that suggests that the synthetic food that they're eating sort of makes them sick or keeps them like weak and docile or something. Uh, it keeps them alive long enough to serve their purpose, perhaps. It just ain't but the maybe... same. If you're gonna talk Star Trek, it's just like the thing on the Star Trek, right? Yeah, it just ain't the um, same. What's the thing called? The food. 
machine. <laughs> no, the the uh, uh, okay brings up Star Trek like you're a Star Trek head. Yeah, and no, it doesn't the... even know what the food thing's called. <laughs> no, hold hold on, hold on. I got this. I got this. It is called the replicator. <laughs> you know what? I thought that's what it was called, and I was like, Kayla, could you right? set your phaser on stun, please? Uh, <laughs> So what, I, what I'm saying is, given the fact that the human characters are human and their only communication with their captor is this kid, kind of like a, many Star Treks, mm-hmm. no violence by the captor has been committed to the the victims yet, other than the complete robbery of their freedom and hope. And But I just mean like no physical, like the kid has, has not committed to Jesse Eisenberg's character or Imogen Poots' character. No mm-hmm. violence has been committed to them, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because t- in your typical thriller horror film, what you're watching is characters in a very short span of time, scared for their lives, like, you know, whatever freak thing that's ha- that's there, whether it's looks like a kid or looks like a demon, they're afraid that it's going to stab them or suck their face off or whatever the hell monster Uh movie thing and at this point in the movie this boy refuses to suck their face oh yeah there's just no outright violence being committed to the humans in this movie Uh the violence is sort of environmental to them right yeah right and i don't think it happens ever other than the fact that you're like you're dead now and you know it because i have your body back like like whoa yeah it's more emotional abuse (laughs) mic drop (laughs) yeah Alien. Basically, yeah. So after Jesse's thrown in the hole, mom waits with a pickaxe to then mm. try and get the boy. And she does get a slam in, but he reverts to a creature on all fours and lifts up a piece of the sidewalk and crawls underneath. Um, and she, in the nick of time, gets the pickaxe under so that the sidewalk can't close back so that she gets in too. And once she's in this area, she's sort of like hitting all these other dimensions of people just like them. That were seemingly right. just like them, that are like couples miserable with a weird freak child. <laughs> <laughs> They're in their own jail cells. Yeah. And the coloring in these scenarios is really crazy. So, like, throughout the whole movie, we've sort of had everything green houses are green, grass is green, everything you're seeing on screen is basically some shade of green and then when we switch to these other dimensions you're getting like these really intense reds and blues and it just creates like visually such a major contrast because you've become so adjusted to this green world um, that visually it looked really stunning it's also did you ever play yoshi's island maybe a little bit a little bit you remember when they get the furries and everything goes a little wibbly wobbly (laughs) (laughs) I use those words. <laughs> gets a little wibbly wobbly when you get the furry. That's kind of what's going on when she gets in these other dimensions too. <laughs> and she's sort of like sinking through floors and not really able to be stable on her feet. I saw the filmmakers refer to it as like when your flesh will push out like a piece of metal or something that's gotten lodged right. inside. Um, and that's yeah, sort like of what's happening to her. Yeah. The, the, the technology and her biology, like the technology is aware that she's not supposed to be outside of her cell. Uh-huh. She snuck her way into some someone else's cell and we gotta like yeah like you said like squeeze her out and these people are sort of like in underground dimensions to her which is like to her symbolically the filmmakers said that this was supposed to be representative of like people feeling isolated within these types of communities like where they're all so closely stacked up on top of each other but don't really talk to their neighbors and they feel isolated from their community and that kind of stuff so symbolically that's what it's supposed to represent which is again just whomping you over the head with their (laughs) (laughs) anti-suburbia messages or whatever (laughs) And if I if I remember correctly, in one of the scenarios, she drops in on the couple having like rigorous sex 
mm-hmm. rigorous uh, or very en- energetic and enthusiastic. And the their carbon copy of, you know, the weird Jehovah's Witness dressed alien being child mm-hmm. is like clapping like it's a like yeah. it's a circus act like well done well i'm, I'm enjoying it. I get on. It. yeah five stars um, <laughs> and then in the other in the second room of the slipstream effect of what she's going through there's a mother well it, visually it's a mother but it's it's another woman who's trapped and the person and the the alien being forcing her to be its mother is watching the weird zebra porn on tv mm-hmm. as, as they do favorite show yeah and then in the third place that image and poots is not supposed to be there's a gentleman in the bathtub with wrists open <laughs> so yeah. I, I guess at this point like the, this is her learning not too far before the end that oh they aren't the only ones and i think it's also cool that they were able to show three pretty different scenarios of finding people in right when what we know about them is that their lives are very monotonous and sort of the same day in day out between all of them so yeah it's cool that they came up with those three like wildly varying scenarios well once again the the i don't know the things that i'm afraid of that are like literally what the world is now yeah uh for for all human beings we are living that in uh, reality and you know maybe also like yeah if you take them more literally like what there's like one mom crying at the table then there's the people fucking and then there's the dead guy <laughs> it's like yeah. you be sad you fuck you die and that's like kind of their entire life circle yeah <laughs> damn the three stages of being alive <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, she rolls back out into her own dimension, and I think she asks the boy what mothers do. He keeps telling her she's mother, and she's like, I'm not your mother. But she asks what mothers are supposed to do, and she or he says, mothers raise their sons to be ready for the world, and then they die. <sighs> Pretty much right after that, he just kind of rolls her up into a uh, body bag, even though she's still alive. Her very last words as she's being zipped up into this body bag is, I'm not your fucking mother. Oh, <laughs> Which, and as we said, is punk and badass as hell. What? And I love that. But his <laughs> reaction is whatever. It literally is whatever. Sarcastic. But yeah. isn't that symbolic of like he, he's the one in the power position. We, we, we know mm-hmm. this. He has full energy. He's not sick and dying. He seems to be above their reality in terms of yeah. where he can go and what he can do. They can't really punish him or do anything to him. Yeah. You know, how many different patriarchal bodies does he represent in this moment when he's telling Imogen Poots' character that if she identifies as a woman, that that's all she's on the earth to do. Yeah. And her saying, I'm not your fucking mother. For, for me, that enhances its badassness. Yeah. And, and as soon as the sun is raised, that she's might as well be dead even though she's not, she's still alive. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and him going whatever is like, that is exactly what all of the corporations who just want us to be what they want us to be. That's literally their empathy or reaction yeah. to people being people and not, uh, you know, mothering their capitalist desires. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. The world. <laughs> it's a vampire, as they say. Oh. <laughs> So the boy gasses up the car, goes back to the realty place. Martin has aged out of his time as well, (laughs) also gets in a body bag and put into a drawer. And boy becomes Martin. 
and somebody walks through the door and it sort of cuts right then, but you have the implication that the cycle continues. Right. That is roll creds. I also really liked the song that was on the creds I felt was really fitting to the movie, which was Mm -hmm. the song Complicated Game by XTC. I just thought that was a good song, or for this movie anyway. So that's roll creds, baby. And 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 the chills run down the spine oh yeah <laughs> if you if you enjoyed it like if you enjoy it the credits happen and you're like you know like it's not a it's not one of those endings that everyone seems to want it's it's a true ending because it's ending on its own terms not because it's following the formula where you know if we're if we're gonna sell toys the heroes have to win and we need to know that there's hope in the world right no it's ending on an ominous tone of the cycle continues yeah, yeah. so we got to rate this out of five. So what do you want to give this movie? Well, I don't want to just give it a five. Um, <laughs> you can give it whatever you want. Ultimately, it means nothing. As, as far as me enjoying it and like the storytelling, I've, I, I found there being moments where I questioned the logic, but that doesn't mean it was faulty logic of storytelling. Because I'm like, you can why drag does it have... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give it a 4 uh-huh. but I'm going to give it a 4 for the sake of uh being a good guest. Uh but I, I <laughs> as an addendum <laughs> as an addendum I will say like there's some stuff I didn't get like for instance why did the creature that they were raising have to read a whole book and watch hours and hours of TV to learn how to go into a building and take a name tag. Mm-hmm. Like that seems like that was him being prepared for the world. Like he lived long enough so that he could throw some body bags away, and do steal they a car. All go- grow up to become Martin because there are many, as we learn. True, true. Uh, yeah, that was just one of those things where it's like, well, I, I don't get that. But like your your response is still like maybe it begins with maybe, and but I I'm fine with not knowing. So I that's not a discredit. But there are other things like that in the movie that I can't remember. Where it's just like, why all this for that? Yeah. Anyway, four. I rambled. No, you're good. I'm thinking. I think I'm going to go three and a half. So like I enjoyed watching the movie. It's gorgeous, as we've said. I do think Jesse Eisenberg is fucking unhinged and I don't necessarily enjoy watching him on screen. Um, Imogen was incredible, though. And the boy oh. <laughs> was incredible. <laughs> um, but I think they hit you over the head too hard with their like messaging i mean it's just like we want every single symbolism to point to this one thing which is you know capitalism sucks and these cookie cutter neighborhoods are dehumanizing us like yeah okay like we've kind of heard this story before you know and i mean there's not really that much that develops over the entire movie like there's not really character development. They kind of stay the same. We don't really learn anything more about who they are or anything. So everything else is kind of surface level in that way. That's true. And because of that, I think I give it a little bit lower score. But I did enjoy watching it and I do think it's gorgeous. And I'm also always love when somebody just does what the fuck they want with a movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always well, I, love those kind of choices, yeah. It's kind of like listening to, like, I agree fully with what you said. It, it's like, well, what's the point of listening to a song with no words or yeah. <laughs> like listening to a song that doesn't follow song structure? Well, if it sounds good sometimes, if it sounds really nice, if it's really well done, 
sometimes is what I'll give it more points for than yeah. if it lacks something that I don't know a, an atypical movie is supposed to have. But you're right. Like like sometimes the characters going through or changing in some way, like you said, is like if this movie had that, it would have made all the difference. It could have been a much better movie. Yeah, I, I have no idea. You're it right. was visually creative though, and I do appreciate that they went for something that's different that's oddball um i always stand those kind of decisions obviously yeah the style is like i love it's very stylized and i love movies that are minimalist like even though they're in a wide open space there's a claustrophobic element to it and i i do sort of enjoy those like like it's one of those things where i initially preferred never to experience that like like please don't give me alien when i can watch aliens in the wide open spaces with a whole bunch of people no i kind of like I like that Evil Dead, Alien, Resident Evil 1 kind of. There's a handful of us. Mm-hmm. We don't know where we are, really. We don't know how to get out. And we're, we're feeling stuck and claustrophobic. And we have a limited supply of food or weapons or whatever. Oh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, so anyway, like this movie had that. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that was one of those things that was easy to grasp. And now go, becoming like, known as pandy movies. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that thing. Thanks for... Uh, thanks for... <laughs> In case you forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say, but I, I like the style and the minimal use of... I don't know. I feel like the movie had more than enough spectacle effects in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you said four, I said three and a half. That's where we're at with rating. Now it's time for Screen Vomit. So in this part of the podcast, we just go off about whatever else we've been watching lately, like movies or shows or whatever else we've been watching. So what you been watching, boy? Um, well, like I said, the Rosa Salazar stuff on Netflix. Uh, sadly, Alita Battle Angels going off Canadian Netflix uh, in a few days. Yeah, should, um, should be asterisk Canadian streaming services. Right. <laughs> also, uh, you told me you had to purchase this movie, right? This was on Prime for me. Which one? Uh, Vivarium. Oh, I don't have Prime. I bought it on Apple TV. Okay. But yeah. it was worth it because it it like like having it to watch at a later time will always remind me of 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 you. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean wow. that sincerely. I was trying to make it sound silly because I felt awkward about saying it. Aww. But it's like. It's like, this is our second time chatting. I, I really think you're awesome. I love this podcast and I'm a fan of you as a person. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like we're new friends. Is that too forward of me? And the movie will Thank remind you. me of the time that you had me on your podcast. Um, and I stunk it up. So also. <laughs> I, <laughs> Thank you. But <laughs> I've been watching. Uh, Don't talk shit about yourself. Go on. What else have you been watching? Is it talking shit if it's true? Uh, It's always talking shit. It's never true. (laughs) I've been watching an eclectic mix of things. Some some action movies and some Ivan Reitman, Bill Murray movies. And, you know, every time I watch anything pre-2016, it's an exercise in... How much canceled (laughs) is it going to (laughs) be? That's a a harsh word. Um, How many uh, F-slurs are you going to (laughs) hear? I go with the P word that rhymes with Roblematic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. And, and the, I mean, 
Sarah Silverman, I adore everything that she's ever done. And on her podcast is like, well, it's like if you were to talk to any of the people who made any of the shit now, Mm -hmm. have they changed? Like everything that's a document of change has the right to exist unless it's, I mean, people can hate it. What you're trying to do is make excuses for problematic content now. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm on (laughs) the opposite side of that. You actually think problematic stuff is good. Not good. (laughs) And it's your favorite, I think. (laughs) Oh, you're doing that thing again. (laughs) Oh, that makes me feel so secure. Um, But like Jerry Maguire is a, it's, you know, at one point they gave it an Oscar. Now, I haven't watched Jerry Maguire in a while, Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure that there's, I I don't know, there's football players in it. There's probably some homophobic, (laughs) casually, and at the time, fully acceptable for 1996 shit that i don't want to see in a movie now yeah but i'm I, i'll watch it and i'll go like can you just move on to the part where you're not doing that yeah so like so i can keep trying to enjoy this and american pie is one of those movies that isn't even good you know what i mean so i can easily justify never watching that again however a lot of those guy Ritchie movies are just full of like awful misogynistic homophobic stuff and it's like you know I haven't seen the newest Guy Ritchie movie, but it probably doesn't have that. Because like the, I don't know if he's one that's evolved and grown through time and regrets the dialogue in Rock and Rolla or Lockstock. But like the fact that he made Rock and Rolla shouldn't stop him from doing something now that isn't problematic if he does believe in creating a better cinematic experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Like Sarah, Sarah Silverman made her special in the early 2000s. And it represented who she was as a comedian at that time and the persona that she'd adopted and what she knew and what she could get away with in 2004 with Jesus is Magic, her special. Mm -hmm. And like I'm listening to her podcast and a 17 year old fan who discovered her through her podcast, listening to who she is and how she looks at the world today. And she's like, I found some stuff from your stand up Jesus is Magic. And I was just floored and disgusted. I hope you've changed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like. Like, damn. So it's like every time I watch a movie now, it's like, what's a good example? But like, has the guy who played Stifler Uh become a grown up who doesn't think of, you know, non straight white cis males the way Stifler did? Mm -hmm. I I don't know about that one. (laughs) I I, I don't want to find out because I I have bets on probably not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I feel like Bill Murray might have. Bill Murray, historically an abuser, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, not Bill Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Classically beat his wife. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm glad I never looked into his personal life. Yeah. uh, Well, what am I going to do with his DVDs? Gosh darn it. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. Tell me what you've been watching. (laughs) You hope people have changed from being problematic. That being said, you've been watching lots of problematic films, including... (laughs) There's uh, action movies. Atomic Blonde. Uh-huh. That's fairly recent. I love Charlize. Charlize action is king. Stuff especially. I, I, I guess all in all, I've been watching a lot of... Well, Alita Battle Angel fought with a sword. But yeah. I've been watching a lot of... Alita like, famously sliced her own tear in half with a sword. Yeah. Isn't that in the movie too? One of the most badass things that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, women with guns uh-huh. is a really big genre. You have a fetish. My, well, I like... <laughs> It's I'm I, I, I celebrate my no um Resident Evil. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of women lead oh, characters. Yeah. And I like guns in movies, which Love is ironic hot, because... strong woman with a weapon. Well, I like action movies, even though I despise guns and violence in the, in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a weird... That's the thing I've actually been battling with. I didn't know about Bill Murray. That's awful. Yeah. Um, I mean, it always was. You exposing me to that is... Uh, whoa. I've um, shocked you on pod. I'll cut like... that you said he was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy with uh, I recently watched that again. I saw that in the theater. What's Lucy? Uh, Lucy is a Luc Besson movie uh, with say it the Scarlet... French way. <laughs> uh, Besson? No. <laughs> it's like Limitless, but better, way better. Because you know how Limitless is about I don't a person. Know what Limitless is either. I think. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, there, there's an argument in biology and science that humans are using either oh, a okay. very small percentage of their about. brain or, yeah, yeah. maybe we are actually using a hundred and we're just limited or maybe we're limitless. Uh, and Lucy in a really cool way. I remember the trailer for that now. Is Scarlet Joe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Limitless came out in 2011. Lucy came out in 2015. So it's like, it's like kind of like, what's different about this one? Uh-huh. Oh, it's way better. <laughs> Lucy's the better one? I think so. Okay. It doesn't have I haven't seen uh, either. I'm just clarifying. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not trying to say what others think cuz I don't know. Some people might like limitless better. I'm just asking better. for your opinion. Yeah. I'm just being high strung, that's all. <laughs> You're stressed out that I asked for your opinion. <laughs> You're it's not your fault that I'm stressed out. No, it is my fault cuz I'm flustering you on purpose cuz I think it's funny. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're so easily flusterable. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that's festive. And I, I like that. <laughs> festive? <laughs> it's festive to to just have that, to have, a, to have a friend that like, I know, I know I'm good at finding buttons and. <laughs> and pushing them. Well, that was implied. Okay. So you like Lucy, you like Atomic Blonde, Alita Battle Angel. That's what you've been watching lately? Yeah. So, so some eclectic comedies uh, to analyze their current problematic state in 2021 uh-huh. uh, to see how evergreen comedy is not yeah <laughs> unfortunately and women with guns uh in action films because you're horny for two, women it, with guns uh okay that can be reason number three it's an optional um <laughs> you won't but, confirm or deny but <laughs> the poop's in the pudding i've had some <laughs> arguments over the v- validity of the idea that like close people close in my life that are <laughs> That are guys who who don't believe women as action heroes. They don't believe women are funny, and they don't like, believe women. Hashtag. And so it, the conversations are usually a stalemate. Yeah. And um, I can be a fan of what I'm a fan of and believe it. Yeah. And do what I can and what I make to have fun and support it. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, inspired by some of the stuff I've been watching, made a, a frequency one on one show that's at this moment in time currently in the the new podcast called BAD starring Clarissa Diakno as Caitlin Melcher super fucking badass agent with guns kicking ass and by the time (laughs) this comes out it'll be like a month from now so that'll be in the archives somewhere (laughs) (laughs) well hopefully it'll still be in prime time like hopefully it'll get voted back hell yeah all right my turn of course please please take the mic (laughs) my turn okay so i got a couple things to pop off about i watched operation avalanche have you seen this no first of all it was incredible it's uh fairly recent i don't remember exactly but 2016 actually that was my guess and i should have just said it out loud it's a 2016 film sort of an indie although it is a Lionsgate. but it's about these 
filmmakers. It's fictionalized, but it is about the moon landing. So it's like kind of riffing off of the conspiracy that the moon landing was faked. These filmmakers that were hired by NASA to make the fake moon landing and kind of how they did it basically (laughs) but it's funny it's like actually pretty intense at parts it kind of grows scary by the end of it i just thought it was really like inventive and creative and a fucking cool idea the and the way it was executed was really cool operation avalanche so i really liked that movie i actually five starred that movie that was really good and what else did I watch? I watched To Die For, which I kind of mentioned, the Van Sant movie from 95 um, with I'm... Nicole Kidman and Joaquin Phoenix. You've seen, I'm assuming? I haven't. You haven't? No. Oh, okay. Well, you got to watch My, to my Nicole for. Kidman crush comes from like Eyes Wide and uh, Mulan. Mm. So this is like a an older, more classic Kidman. She wants to be famous, basically. She wants to be a newscaster and take some turns to get that fame, I guess you would say. <laughs> <laughs> and it's punk rock because it's Van Sant, even though he may be sort of canceled. Who knows? I would cancel him for Gary. <laughs> He's kind of his own thing and kind of an antagonistic filmmaker, but I kind of think that's fun personally. Anyway, that was cool. And I watched Wild Tales, which is a 2014 Argentinian black comedy anthology film um, with six independent shorts by the same filmmaker. Um, was recommended to me by pal of the pod Andre Highland and delivered was really cool wild tales it's just all these like intense shorts I don't know they're all kind of different stories so can't really say what it's about because it's anthology but it was really cool and really well done what else I watched malignant famously hot news right now at the moment will be cold news probably by the time this comes out but (laughs) (laughs) did you see malignant no no haven't seen a single thing on my list that's fine (laughs) it's actually normal (laughs) i'm a fan of shorts too i I wear them like all year round if i could oh yeah i would too (laughs) um but cheeky uh, (laughs) literally when you know depending but uh so malignant what did i think about malignant you know what does anyone think about it i haven't seen any of his other films which a lot of people have he did the conjurings and insidious movies and i've never seen any of that shit Uh, i don't really watch blockbuster horrors that often well i will say i don't think you could predict where the movie goes and i think that's cool because you can't say that very often with those type of movies right i loved the last like 15 minutes and if you saw it you know what i'm talking about however you have to sit through like about 90 minutes of kind of whatever slash unhinged like (laughs) nonsensical kind of ugly boring stuff to get to the cool part so like is that worth it to watch like probably not but you you can just like pull it up on hbo and watch that last 15 minutes because you just (laughs) gotta see those visuals are hilarious and campy and fucking what the fuck uh literally when the credits rolled in the theater that i saw it in everyone busted out laughing and one guy yelled what the fuck uh and it was perfect (laughs) that was a perfect moment (laughs) so that's my review of malignant and then lastly i got a short 
to recommend. The short is called I Was There Too. It's by Joey Izzo. It has Demorge Brown, who's definitely done 101 oh, stuff. Oh, snap. <laughs> A 101 king, Demorge Brown. Uh, so in the short, Demorge plays this guy who's like kind of failing at life let's say and he acts like he was a witness to a mass shooting to elicit sympathy from people around him and kind of get attention and i think have you ever seen earache kavutsky's short i felt like this was a spiritual sequel to earache so if you watch them in order that's probably pretty sick so watch earache and then watch i was there too i think that would be a good combo because I think Demorge is the same guy <laughs> in both of them. <laughs> Have you seen Gumble? It's a. It's not by Kavitsky. It's by Kyle Ryder. Gumble. It's uh, Gumble. No. It's a Channel 101 show. It 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 had a long run. So you have like a decent like almost film amount length of of Demorge to watch. That's un cannily awesome i've seen a lot of demorge because not only is he famously in so much 101 stuff but he's just randomly like in a lot of shorts i mean that seems like all he does with his time is be in (laughs) shorts which is sick and he's literally a king and demorge if you're listening you're literally a king and <laughs> everyone can admit it. Uh, I just had Adam Murray on, who famously made a short with the Moore it. Yeah, he rocks. Nobody nice. could be cooler. So yeah, that was my last thing to recommend for the week. So I was there too. Check it out. Check out <laughs> Follow Demorge, a stupid, stupid man on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> What's your plugs? Uh, tell people where they can find you, etc. Uh, yeah, I'm on the internet at Todd Donald on Instagram. My first name has two D's. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of D's. To mm-hmm. type. Triple D, so as they say. Yeah, at T-O-D-D-D-O-N-A-L-D is pretty much the same for my Facebook page and Twitter. No, my Twitter is Todd Donald Show. I don't use anything but the Instagram. And my bio link has all of my Frequency 101 shows, my podcast, Primetime Flies, my music. Um, I got some Channel 101 tribute songs on a band camp, which are pretty fun and kooky and 80s oriented. That's pretty much it. Hell yeah. So yeah, check out his podcast and all that other stuff. And then for me, you can find the show on Instagram and everywhere else at Screen Vomit. One word on all the stuff. Subscribe if you haven't already. Leave me a freaking review. Can I get a review in this town? Um, That'd be sick. Only if it's good, though. Please, I'm sensitive. And you can send me an email at ScreenVomitPod at gmail.com with your thoughts on this movie or other movies or suggest a movie. I don't know what we'll be watching next week yet. But if you follow on Instagram, I always post it there ahead of time. And that's all for me. So thanks, Todd, for joining me. Honestly, I, I'm embarrassed as all heck. And you know that. And it's fine. <laughs> I think I think you're wonderful to talk to. I No, Thank you, you. you make it fun to have your buttons pushed. Sincerely. <laughs> um, and I will gladly uh, chat with you anytime about anything. <laughs> Thanks. I hope this wasn't too harrowing for you. And thanks for letting me bust your balls the whole time. (laughs) And for everyone else, we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye bye. I'm I'm making notes out loud about that stuff. Please please don't keep it for I'm for the because because I don't want people 
like um to think that you think cigs are cool well what? i i know you're like i i i know you don't actually believe that you're teasing <laughs> but like there are people who love believing it and they don't get inflection and they take everything at face value so like oh you have to keep in that you think cigs are cool it was funny <laughs> You know I said they look cool, and I'm not backing down on that. <laughs> everyone it's everyone funny. thinks they look People cool. People who listen to my podcast get it. They have a um, a fine taste for humor. <laughs> listen, if you sophisticated. Like... <laughs> okay. Sophisticated palate. <laughs> well, I wasn't indicting the idea that... Mm, I think I, you like, were I, calling I the like... listeners dumb now, <laughs> on top of everything else. <laughs> Uh, um, no, I, I'm like, I could do I a totally bit right now. I totally you. Why, why don't I keep digging that, Jesse Eisenberg I razzed hole. you to the point where you're completely flustered and can no longer <laughs> talk about a movie. This other part of uh, Vivarium reminds me of 9-11. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and how do you no. feel about 9-11? <laughs> <laughs> Well, hot take, inside job. Um, no, listen, the... Uh, okay, so... First, uh-huh. Go on. 9-11 and... So at this point in the movie, 